Ben? Do you know what? I'm getting a little bit chippier, I think. I'm feeling this. So this week, um, it was first of all, it was my oldest daughter's birthday, which is always fun. But also, happy birthday, happy birthday indeed. But more to the point, we've sort of like, we've had a bit of an easing of like, you know, lockdown things and you can go and meet people outside now and all that stuff. And I just, I feel like there is light at the end of the tunnel. Although sadly, I'm not quite old enough to have had my vaccine yet. Me too. I'm not quite young enough or old enough or this enough or that enough. <laughs> Are you I'm just an in-betweener? jealous enough. You're an in-betweener. I'm a jealous in-betweener. <laughs> same old, same old. You're jealous of everybody. You're jealous of me. You're unjealous. You're, you're, you, you think you're the most, to say the least. At <laughs> the very least. <laughs> <laughs> don't you? You're really, you don't possess jealousy. It's true. I don't seem to get jealous of people. No, you're right. I don't. I'm jealous envy... of everyone all the time. You love it. <laughs> I do love you it. do love it. Yeah, I know. You I love do. the look on my face. Yes. That's what you live for. Yeah, I know. When you, when you sort of see somebody, when when you see someone who's slightly younger than you doing slightly better than you, <laughs> <laughs> which actually happens a lot these days. <laughs> <laughs> it's all that happens these days. Yeah. Oh, well, actually, no. You know that some older than me are doing worse than me, which makes me really happy. Oh, that's good. <laughs> oh, I'm not anyway. really painting a very nice picture, am I? You're a horrible person. <laughs> yeah, but you like it because deep down underneath all the pretending not to be jealous, you do just hate everyone too. That's what really, we've got in common. I, do you know what? I am a really horrible person. I'm learning more and more what a horrible person I am. <laughs> we, we can come on to that. I'm Welcome Ben to our place, I'm, guys. I'm, a, I'm a horrible person. I'm a former BBC News correspondent, also a former ITN Channel 5 News correspondent as well. And now I'm a podcaster and my name is Ben Ando. And I'm the other half of the hosting here and I'm Victoria <laughs> Mitzi. I did radio, I now do podcasting and I worked for Commercial and The Beeb. So now I'm residing in the countryside in the a beautiful village in Devon. <laughs> Actually it's not a beautiful village, it's a slight village on the outskirts of Plymouth. You mm. are a lot more than half of this podcast because you do all the editing and everything. I mean lit- I just literally turn up and dial it in. I love it when you're nice to me, but I know that you forget who I am and then you start being nice to me and then it, we all get a bit weirded out by it, don't we? We do. And then so, it goes strangely. Oh, what do we do on our podcast? We are true crime, but we're much more funny and yeah. it's totally inappropriate. We don't apologise to anyone. Yeah. Seriously, stop listening now if you feel like you're going to be offended because we are unapologetically awful. Now then, what are we being awful about this week? <laughs> We are being, oh, well, what is awful and what's been in the news? We are talking about the progress on the Sarah Everard case and the arrest. And by the time that you listen to this, um, probably more details will come out. But as it stands, uh, actually, we'll move on to the case in just a moment, shall we? Sounds good. Are we going to be talking about Jizzy? Jizzy, the Jizzy Rascal? Jizzy Rascal! Jizzy Maxwell? Yes, uh, more rumblings from that corner. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, these updates have reached me. I was going to say touched me more than others have. So hear how they touched me in just a moment. Is it her hair going down the plug hole? (laughs) 
is it? <laughs> Every story has to have a pube in it now. <laughs> <laughs> well, in that case, we've got one with a, with a big ginger pube, which is... <laughs> <laughs> that one's rapidly swirling down the plug hole. <laughs> Harry, a bit more on Harry and Meghan. And Harry, Meghan and Morgan as well. Oh, yes, right. So a bit of Piers in there. A bit of Piers, yeah. Do you know Piers? Did you ever meet him or work with him? I went to school with his wife. Oh, okay, that's nice. Well, we can talk about that later. So that's nice. Why is it moving nice? rapidly on? So let's talk about Sarah Everard then. So, do you want to fill us in, or do you want me to sort of bring us up to speed with the basics on this one? Okay, they've identified the remains in a woodland in Kent as those of Sarah Everard, and that's. Uh, the police have identified them. The 33-year-old went missing in South London on Wednesday the 3rd of March while walking home from a friend's house and a serving Metropolitan Police officer has been arrested on suspicion of her murder. Police said on Wednesday that the remains, human remains had been found in the wooded area near Ashford. Ms Everard was last seen leaving a friend's house on Leithwaite Road in Clapham, southwest London, that I know fairly well, at about 9pm on the 3rd of March to walk to her home in Brixton. And apparently that was about an hour's walk. Her disappearance prompted a large operation to find her. The arrested officer, who wasn't on duty at the time of Ms Everard's disappearance, is also being held on a separate allegation of indecent exposure. But he's a man of Kent. He was arrested there. That's more than 60 miles away from where Sarah Everard was last seen. A woman in her 30s was arrested on Tuesday on suspicion of assisting an offender and has been released on bail to return to a police station on a date in mid-April. Extensive searches have been carried out at the house around Clapham and Brixton and the woodland in Ashford. So I think what's amazing about this story is that when it first broke, um, obviously there was a, a lot of interest in the fact this young woman uh, goes missing when she's walking home, um, and that has raised in itself a huge issue about uh, women's safety, especially at night, and that's something that um, a lot of... Uh, social media is focusing on at the moment. Mm. But um, I mean, I, I think that like me, you're a bit of a fan of that old uh, TV show, Line of Duty. Not as much as you at the moment, you've had a rekindling. I have had a bit of a rekindling, but, I'm, I, but I've been watching it since the start, back in whenever it started. Now, it's, it's a great, great, great show. Back in the day. Back in, oh, I don't like that phrase, you <laughs> I know, know I don't you like do. it. Um, and anyway, so and the thing, so so you hear this young woman going missing, and suddenly you hear that there is a police officer who is being investigated in it, and it was like I know that the next season of Line of Duty, sorry, next series, we're in England, the next series of Line of Duty is starting um, towards I think towards the end of March, and I'm like, oh my goodness, this is. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's almost like a plot from this show. Um, we can't say too much. We and you know we can talk about why we can't say too much because um, proceedings uh, are active at the moment since a man is under arrest. And if before the podcast is actually broadcast, he is charged, then there's even less that we can say. We we can talk about what actually happened to Sarah. We can talk about what's known to be in the public domain right now, and we can talk about how this has galvanised an enormous amount of um, concern about women's safety and a lot of the messaging around that has been you know women's safety at night isn't actually an issue for women it's more of an issue for men and that's certainly something we can ca uh, talk about a little bit later on but um, what I've also been interested in is, is just how high up the echelons of command this story has gone and we're getting statements outside New Scotland Yard from uh, 
you know, officers at assistant commissioner level. And in fact, I think Cressida Dick herself, the commissioner of the Metropolitan Police, has spoken about it as well. So quite She clearly... immediately spoke, and that's that flagged up not only with the kind of outcry that goes with the appearance of a young woman, also her speaking on, you know, the national media has also flagged up that, oh, there's something very wrong. Yeah, absolutely. No, quite. So, yeah, I mean, so the question is going to, is being asked is why, why, for example, have newspapers named the police officer who was arrested? Uh, we are not going to name him for reasons that you will completely understand being a, being a journalist like me. And what is, uh, what, are the, what is the sort of the, the, the nuances around that? And what is the sort of the reason, what, what are the things you can and can't do, basically? Well, also, I wanted to introduce a different thing because there has been much talk about women's safety. And if you want my opinion, it's just like the royal stuff. It's a, okay, there are other issues attached, which are obviously really important, but it will die down. And the same will happen. Hopefully men will be put on a curfew. That'd be quite nice. And then <laughs> women can go out once the lockdown's over and men can't. How funny would that be? <laughs> well, it would be... Everyone would be much better dressed. <laughs> Yeah. Ooh, look at her. <laughs> but no, it, I think what what I immediately thought from a true crime point of view was where did your brain go? Where when you heard she was missing? What when, when I heard she was missing, where did my mm. brain go? Yeah. Um What did you think had happened? I I, I sort of assumed that she had been abducted and murdered. Yeah. Did you? Yeah, I think so. What do you think? It's always the same, isn't it? It's the same balance of thinking. Is it, It's quite rare statistically, isn't it, that people get kidnapped and kept? Yes, that, no, you're absolutely right. I mean, in fact, it's very rare statistically that lone women do get attacked and killed. I mean, it, it's not something that happens as commonly as you might think, and in, in a weird way, um, because it is so unusual, when cases do happen, it does grab the headlines. It's not like there is one of these cases every couple of weeks. There's not. Um, having said that, that doesn't sort of in any way excuse it or make it okay. But it's like a flowchart, isn't it? You know when it's like, do you, you know, do you buy vegetables? Yes. Do you go to the supermarket to get them? This one is, you know, it goes to, okay, she's been, she's obviously been, she's come to no good, but does it end up in potentially a kidnapping which might actually be worse it, it might be worse than murder. i know what you're doing here i know exactly what, what you're doing here. my you're, venn diagram you, you're heading in the direction of fritzel aren't you <laughs> everything you... with you everything comes back to fritzel only because of you i wasn't thinking that <laughs> at all but i do think that it could be absolutely awful to be living through hell rather than just to die and there you yeah. go that's my uh, yeah no that's i mean that's that's not an unreasonable position to take thanks um but at the same time i mean you know just to be clear we do not know what happened here and that will only become clear or at least you know whatever the ag allegations and accusations are will now only become clear when when if this case goes to court at some point in the future but are we allowed to if i ask you now what yeah. you think has gone on. Can you tell me? No, I can't. I mean, well, I can and I can't, in that I could say clearly she has come to harm. She's been found in woods. Um, she is dead. Therefore, it seems, you know, inconceivable that she died anyway other than being murdered. Um, or possibly the victim of manslaughter and then a clumsy attempt to hide the body and sort of disguise what, what had taken place. 
beyond that, um, I can't say a huge amount, not least because we don't really know. I mean, nobody knows because those sorts of details will not be released by the police until we get... I mean, so th so why do the police release any information at all? Well, first of, first of all, the police will release information if they think it will help them solve a crime. So in this case, obviously... Um, Presumably, um, Sarah Everard's partner reports her missing. He says, hang on, um, she left mine, she was going home. I texted She wasn't at his house, she was at a friend's house. My apologies. Uh, wherever she was, she was going to somewhere where somebody was expecting to see her or hear from her. And when they didn't, after a while, they raised the alarm. Now, at that point, the police could just carry out inquiries on the quiet, or they think, we need the public's help with this, so they will circulate photos of her description where she was last seen and so on and so forth once they have made an arrest they will start to build the case against the person who has been arrested working with the crown prosecution service to make sure that evidential thresholds are reached and so on but at that point it may well be there is no advantage to them to making further information public so for example i think in this case they will realize that there is a a public reassurance issue that they need to reassure the public that the the human remains found were those of Sarah so that information was made public but in terms of specific causes of death and, and particularly any evidence found at the scene for example an item of clothing for example um, any forensics on her body body that might link her to another person all of those things there's no reason at all why they would release them and that sort of information would probably only come out subsequently at, a, at the trial when the prosecution outlines the case at whoever the defendant is who has been charged uh, in connection with her disappearance and death. I think what's got to be added is how awful it must be. I know that people do these kind of, you know, it's, it's said in conjunction with all these crimes, but I think this one's particularly terrible not knowing, but having this terrible kind of this feeling in your in the pit of your stomach, knowing that it's not going to be good. But you don't know if you're her family or her friends. I can't imagine anything worse than that. Yeah, I, I suppose what's most pathetic in the sense of the word as being, you know, generating pathos is that the last thing to die always is hope. And her family, her friends, people who knew her, all of us, I suppose somewhat remotely will have been hoping that there could be a different outcome they were hoping perhaps somehow she's lost her phone so she hasn't been able to reply and she's maybe not been checking the news she's been away somewhere somehow she would be found okay and well and of course that isn't the case and of course the longer it goes on the less likely it is that somebody who is missing will be found safe and well on the assumption that they didn't choose to, to to disappear themselves um and that and that sort of period of uncertainty must be awful there may be a certain i don't know is there a, is there a comfort in knowing now that they, they found her i don't know even know i think they'd almost prefer to think that she might be out there somewhere just not know where she was i, I don't know i i don't mm. i can't possibly put myself in those in that position well that's and, very much been the feeling with madeline mccann hasn't it what, what what's the feeling with madeline, madeline mccann in that one well, people have kind of, you know, with those e-fits of what she'd look like when she was 20 and then, you know, that people are hoping that somehow she got adopted out to a different family or something along those lines, whereas every moment that goes past, since they were abducted, you decrease the odds massively, don't you? You do, that's right. And the, yeah, exactly right. The, the odds just get longer and longer, the chances of finding them... Um, become shorter and shorter and and, and that's just uh, the practical reality of any missing persons uh, case. 
it'll be interesting to listen to this podcast in hindsight. Go on. After the revelations are, you know, come to light of, of what's gone on. Yes, well, it will. And that, and I'm sure that if, you know, I assume that this will case take, what, what does it do, take about six months to get to trial, isn't it? That's the, that's sort of the going rate. So I imagine sometime later this year, perhaps some sort of, I don't know, September time, uh, mm. that th- 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 there will be a trial. And at that point, we will hear a lot more about exactly what is alleged to have happened right now. Um, imagine what the trial is going to be like. Uh, I know who'll be there, sketching away. <laughs> with a hot <laughs> pencil. Absolutely. A Ooh, hot nib. Well, with, with, with her, lifting herself off her feet with her crayons as she's colouring it all in. <laughs> <laughs> go on, Priscilla. Oh, yeah, if you don't know, go on, Priscilla. Go on, Priscilla. I spoke to, I spoke to a cockney today. Oh, blimey. Lord Lavadak. All right, mate. Beautiful day, innit? He was, he was saying the word Greenwich, and I yeah. didn't understand a word of what he was saying. And then I was like, oh, my God. Greenwich. Greenwich. <laughs> saying okay. it like that. I was like, oh, my God. I think I've been out of London, too. Look what's happening to me. I'm no longer a pearly queen. <laughs> 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 Only 40 years spent in the city. <laughs> You'd have to give back your pearl necklace. <laughs> Oh, yeah, it was only a small one. What was the point of Pearly Kings and Queens? What's that, what's that all about? Oh, do you know what it is? I found out the other day, not through the chap I was speaking to you today. Um, it's every pearl, every um, one stitched on is a good deed for charity. Really? Apparently. So, uh, all right, darling, here's your pearl necklace. It's for charity. <laughs> 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 So there you go. Right, talking of that, Jizz Lane. <laughs> Lady Jizz, yes, absolutely. Jizzy Wizzy. Jizzy Brasco! <laughs> so, Lady Gillane, Jizz. Ghislaine is how you're supposed to say yeah, it. Yeah, sorry, I forgot Ghislaine, how you're supposed to say it. So, Ghislaine Maxwell is under arrest in the United States. Um, she's being held in a jail in New York City, uh, and she's accused of helping uh, Jeffrey Epstein, who was the convicted sex offender who killed himself in prison a couple of years ago now. Um, And she is due to stand trial in July, um, accused of helping him groom young girls, find young girls, procure young girls, and so on and so forth. Um, Now she's 59 years old. She has, as well as British citizenship, she has US and French citizenship. And she was arrested last July at her secluded mansion uh, just outside New York in the state of New Hampshire. Oh, so they actually she... find her hiding at her yeah, own house. Hiding at her own house, yeah. They, they, <laughs> I try that. It works every time. They're quick, the FBI, like that. And <laughs> um, now, she, so she has been um, twice denied bail, I believe, and she's um, been uh, still applying for bail yet again. But her brother, Ian Maxwell, uh, now I remember him from his trial many, many years ago with his brother Kevin um, over allegations around the Maxwell family fortune um, in the wake of their father, Robert Maxwell's death, when he supposedly fell off his yacht. Coincidentally, of course, named the Lady Ghislaine after his daughter. So, yeah, but um, he said that the way she is being treated in prison is degrading and amounts to torture. She's apparently being held under constant surveillance, which means she she can't even scratch herself without somebody looking, in a six by nine foot cell with no natural light, and the food is basically inedible. 
So at least she'll have lost some weight. Oh, she didn't really need to lose weight, did she? No, she's not exactly. She was socialite thin. thin. Oh, yeah, that's right. Let's not get back to that topic. What? Shall we? What? (laughs) As of last week. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You put my nose out of joint. Is, yeah. is she, you think Lady Jizz is one of the sort of you can never be too rich or too thin brigade? Yeah, well, what would I have to do with that, hey? Uh, <laughs> I, I've, that line has not gone, has not cut straight to the heart about, <laughs> well, no one, this is your answer. When I'm like, do you think I'm fatty? Right, you, your answer on the last podcast was... Well, you've never thought of yourself as thin, have you? <laughs> We've never thought you were skinny, so that made it all all right. Anyway, I'm not. I'm not getting back to that topic. <laughs> you are getting back to it. <laughs> You're reeling me in. I'm doing the fishing rod action. So, here. so, 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 skinny lady jizzy's cell. <laughs> skinny jizzy. Skinny jizzy. Skin, uh, thin jizzy. Thin jizzy. <laughs> We got there. <laughs> yeah, she's not even getting any whiskey in the jar. There's whiskey in the jar. Uh, her... <laughs> she may be. That's all she's getting. Bit of moonshine. <laughs> he said her cell only has a concrete bed and a toilet. I wonder if the toilet's made out of concrete as well. I doubt it's going to be a porcelain. God, <laughs> there is no natural. It's only one with gold taps, like she probably had in her badly, t- <laughs> bad taste decorated home. Um, there is no natural light. She's under twenty-four hour round-the-clock surveillance with ten cameras, including one that moves and tracks her movements. Why is that she- so funny? I don't know, but this is <laughs> the water- why do you like that? The water she is being given is brown. <laughs> Here's your brown water, Jizzy. Adding that the food is. <laughs> Highly microwavable and basically inedible. This is what Ian Maxwell said when he was um, interviewed on the Today programme on Radio 4 a a few days ago. And she has not been able to prepare adequately for her trial because of the detention conditions. And she's losing her hair. It's going down the plug hole. (laughs) Like (laughs) Harry's pubes. Like Harry's gingery pubes. But listen, so... Yeah. Okay, how many people are in prison? Hundreds? The hundred thousand? I don't know. How many people are in prison? Well, in, in this UK? country, in the UK, yeah. I think the UK prison population is around about, I think around about ninety-eight thousand, something like that. Yeah, call it a hundred thousand. A last count. Oh, okay. Well, okay. Let's say like quite a substantial population. The prisons they they always use the full to bursting analogy. Yet it takes the fact that Ghislaine Maxwell is not having a good time to highlight the fact that they eat slop. Which they actually, like, I, I really do think prison conditions are terrible from a mental point of view as well. How do you know? Um, do you tell? I, because nightly I read a page and a half of the Dennis Nilsson autobiography. Oh, yeah, yeah. Hmm. What's so interesting about it is that he talks a lot about a life inside mm-hmm. and his life sentence. So... And he's very lucid, really. He's got it really together. And he has a lovely turn of phrase, actually, for which probably helps with, you know, he had that sort of level of imagination which caused him to do what he did, which was involved in doing what he did. And uh, it comes out in his writing, the fact that if you are high risk, as Dennis Nelson was, that you can't mix with anyone, you're put in segregation. But that does mean that you're not having any company with anybody. So it's really... As opposed to rehabilitation, you're sort of getting worse. Did so Dennis you get have to gulp hour. down? Did Dennis have to gulp down brown water? 
I don't know about the brown water, but I know what reminded me about the brown water was that there was, they put feces in his food and did, did stuff like that on a regular basis. And he was so resilient. Um, you know, he took, what you do have to say about him is that he did take responsibility in the sense that he always said what he did was wrong. And he accepted that he had to have this life because he took away other people's lives. Not all cons do that. No, that's true. They don't. Exactly. I said that like Michael Caine. <laughs> Did you? <laughs> <laughs> Was Dennis only trying to blow the bloody doors off? <laughs> I think he bloody did that. <laughs> but yeah, so that's how I know all about prison. You were surprised, weren't you? That was what Michael Caine said when he came home and found his wife fellating members of the Beatles and the Rolling Stones. You're Is only that supposed a joke? To blow, you're only supposed to blow the bloody doors off. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you are wicked. Mm, I know, a rotter, stinker. Anyway, so, so yeah, so it's her uh, bringing awareness to the plight of the poor beleaguered. At least they've been, I mean, other people have been stuck in a life of misery before they ended up in another form of misery. She at yeah. least had a nice time. That's why she's whinging. Talking of women with American links who find themselves almost living in a prison cell, given mm. the intrusion and attention they have to endure. Mm. Let's move on to the ginger and the whinger. Ginger Winger just about summarises the union. Yeah, it does. Spot the title of the podcast, everyone. <laughs> um, actually, so when you, you did that, of... sorry, can I just say when you did that disclaimer at the beginning of the podcast, I think they might know from the titles that we're completely <laughs> inappropriate. I think, what was the last one? That was a fascination with amputation. <laughs> and then you've got, to re- you've got to imagine the drum roll of musical youth. <laughs> Sorry, carry yeah. on, Ben and Dave. Well, I mean, I, I think it's time to talk about Harry and Meghan, isn't it? I mean, we, we laid into them a bit last time round. Um, I need and... you to explain to me what Piers Morgan's doing in the equation. Okay, so um, so Harry, have you watched this interview that Harry and Meghan did? I watched it. You told me you didn't. You didn't watch it. No, I didn't. I, I forgot it was on. Oh, do you need me to tell you what went on? Well, she complained, then he complained, and then Oprah pretended to look surprised at re- rehearsed stuff. That's it in a nutshell. With so, her funny glasses. Did you see her funny glasses? What are they well, about? Oprah's funny glasses. Or... Yeah. No, I didn't see Oprah's Oh, Google funny Oprah's glasses okay, on the interview. Google Oprah's glasses. You have to. <laughs> They're Harry Potter. <laughs> <laughs> Oprah Potter. <laughs> Here we go. Oh, what? <laughs> <laughs> and she used them for effect as well. They were kind of, she's sort of peeping out of them. <laughs> <laughs> do you like them? I do like them. I think Imagine so. her in, in uh, Specsavers, because she only went there because she knew she'd get a free pair, and then <laughs> trying them on and then going... Oh, all her lackeys going, Oprah, those, those, those ones. Those are the ones, those, Oprah. Those, those are the ones. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> so all I know about it is that apparently during this interview, at some point, Meghan and Harry suggested that the royal family must be racist because they, when Meghan Markle was pregnant, somebody asked her what colour she thought the baby was going to be. The suggestion being she was asking, because she is but a But they didn't race. reveal the source. But first of all, I mean, 
I've got a friend who I used to work with called Lyndon, who also has a mixed race child. And she said that when she was pregnant, lots of people, she, they would converse about it and say, oh, I wonder, you know. I said how, it about my own child. How dark my child is going to be. Well, actually, do you know what's weird about my daughter is that she she is of, of sort of quite fair stock on one side. Like my dad's born Libya, you know, a few generations there. But my dad's significantly from darker stock and my sister's got darker skin than me. And then my daughter came out with jaundice and black hair. And I was like, oh, right, she's that side of the family. And then all the hair fell out. It turned blonde after, you know, babies go bald. They're bald for about six months or so it's quite a common thing that yeah, she's yeah, no yeah, hair at yeah, all yeah. and then this kind of blonde hair sprouted out and her jaundice went away and she looked like she was a different race after that wow so there you go there's my there's my story because i just thought she could be a variety of different things with a yeah. bit of a mix in there but but the, but the point is here if you have a mixed race couple is it offensive to ask them what color they think the the child might be well i think it's commonly thought yes i mean if some but if someone said that to me because they knew my dad i wouldn't think anything of it but i think i think there's a little bit of a you know um someone said the paranoia of Meghan markle something like that that she lives in a state of i mean that's actually an awful way to live but i do think if you're in that bubble then it probably happens doesn't it I suppose so. I did say somebody said that the reason they were asking was they were, they, the, the thing they were most afraid of was that the child would be ginger. <laughs> He's actually quite cute, little Archie. I like, the thing is, do you think the royal family is racist? I don't know. They did dress up as Nazis, as did Harry and who's Harry hasn't ever up as a Nazi, but there were all those uh, photos of him and I don't understand like all of a sudden he's sitting there kind of waxing lyrical about racism. <laughs> and I'm like, you he said ragged's as well on yeah, an army but, thing. Yeah, but oh, but the thing is, I mean, Harry meets and falls in love with Meghan. Meghan is of um mixed race. Um the, as far as I can tell, the family said um, yes when Harry said he wanted to marry her there was no issue there they had a a wedding that was um, a great celebration as far as I could tell everybody thought it was a fantastic wedding everybody was happy for Harry and Meghan on that day I'm not aware of lots of people saying well it'd be much better if he had married somebody not of mixed race I I, there was there didn't seem to be any suggestion of any racism uh, tinged to that union at all I thought everybody was delighted for Harry Mm. delighted for Meghan thought they made a lovely couple the Queen now, gave her her blanket in the car, did you see? The Queen did give her a blanket in the car, that's right. Hmm. And um, I doubt if she was, like, spitting blood racist, then she probably wouldn't have done that. She said, no, I'm not having you touch my blankie. I don't want you stinky blankie. <laughs> stinky blankie. blankie. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so so where does Piers... You asked me, where does hmm. Piers Morgan come into all of this? So... So Piers Morgan... Of course he comes into all of this. Hell appears to have have no fury like a Morgan scorned because (laughs) apparently a few years ago when Meghan Markle was, I think, just some kind of, you know, actress. Oh, what, as opposed to... (laughs) As as opposed to a duchess, I guess. Isn't past the duchess going to be passed on or does she get to keep it? No, she no. They're not. They're not anymore. I think they gave that up, didn't they? Right. Oh, okay. No, don't ask me about. Go on, former I'm Duchess. Fucking, I'm a fucking shit. <laughs> um, but no. But seriously. So so Piers Morgan was at some club where she was, and I think he helped to hail her a taxi or something. And I think he seems to think they're some kind mm-hmm. of best buddies. And she sort of, <laughs> he kind of like just you know. Megan. Sort of... <laughs> Megan. Fuck off. 
She sort of ghosted <laughs> him like the like sort of the, the the slightly creepy older man that she thinks he undoubtedly is. And, and he's just never been able to let it go. Despite the fact that he appears to be married to your old school crony, he's he's just never let it go. And so he's had a real vendetta. As far as I can tell, he seems to have had some kind of a vendetta against Megan. And on whenever it was, the day after the interview, when he started to rant um, mm. about, you know, these issues around race, race and so on, one of the other GMTV presenters, a guy called Alex Beresford, I think, just said, no, I think you're wrong, Piers. You shouldn't be talking like this, blah, 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 blah. And, and instead of just sort of holding his corner like you'd expect from somebody supposedly as robust as Piers Morgan, he just flounced. <laughs> he stood up and he did the, he did the famous I'm, a, I'm out of here TV set flounce off. I'm out of here. Um, I'm off I'm, to my new job. Oh, did I just say that? Yeah, that's what that's what I think. I mean, you know, he's supposedly, you know, sort of Mr. T- you know, b- built of stern stuff, asks the difficult questions and so on and so forth. Yet I, 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 all I can think of, he was looking for an excuse to get out and that was it. Can I just say, I'd like to set the record straight on Piers Morgan's wife, Celia. She's, Go on. And I don't, you know, I'm not a lovey and I don't say things that I don't really mean. I really like Celia. She's good. Oh, okay, cool. That's- she is mm, some kind of, uh, I think she's an editor at The Telegraph. Okay. She was fabulous at writing. Oh, okay. Yeah, not, and not, she's not, fluent not, in French as well. She's got French ancestry. She, she sounds like the kind of person you could be jealous of. Oh, yeah, but we were both terrible at maths and it united us. I don't think that she'll mind me saying that. We just used to sit there and do anything but maths in Division 5 maths. <laughs> uh, united over the equations. We had very many, you know, those pant wetting moments at school where the teacher's like, uh, do you want to share that with the rest of the class? And you're literally dying. <laughs> there, were, there were quite a lot of them at school. And actually, I think because I see the public persona of peers, I've not met him as in had a conversation with him. But I do think that there must be more to peers and maybe it's just a kind of klutzy kind of shield or something, because I don't think that Celia would be with somebody who was like he appears appears to be get it okay D- like I, there's got to be something different there and i wonder if it's a bit of a clowny thing going on <laughs> what well, he is the clown yeah he plays a bit of a clown and it's like a media persona because celia's kind of got taste she's beautiful she's well read and she has you know she gives good conversation um, she's witty. <laughs> I'm glad so you I don't really understand. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, you don't like me being nice about people. You can tell you're totally disinterested. I'm losing interest rapidly. <laughs> and the other thing I was going to say about him is that it is obviously a um, PR thing because there are a couple of new media things uh-huh. cranking up, aren't there? So I reckon he's going to pop up at one of them. I think he probably is. I mean, and this is the thing, this whole, oh, you know, people should leave us alone. Well, why do you go on, oh, we could, we've done this before, but there's just seem a massive amount of hypocrisy around it, I have to say. Have you seen how many people have gone, though, from GMB, Good Morning Britain? No. If you look up Media Jobs UK, right. then yeah. all you get listed is producer, editor. So it's been a bit of an exodus. <laughs> Anyway, I'd like to talk about an obsession with amputation because it's been raised by a listener who wants to uh, remain anonymous because it's actually not what you'd... What would you think an obsession with amputation? Somebody who had... Because Dennis Nilsson was an arachnophile. He was a... 
Necrophile. That's it. Oh, yeah. A necrophiliac. <laughs> Slightly different from a Like a haemophiliac. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hell, this all gone wrong. <laughs> but what would you think a person with an obsession with amputation would be then? Go on. Oh, um, a, uh, a sectophile. Oh, where'd you get that from? Dissect, section, removal. It's called a crotomophilia. A crotomophilia? And wow, I have no idea where that draws It has from. A, a, I guess it's Cyrillic, the Greek stem, having the top cut off, it means. Ooh. And it's a paraphilia in which an individual expresses strong sexual interest in amputees. And they indicated that we're, uh, last week with Lorraine Cox. Yeah. murder trial that the suspect is uh, yeah. has this but he didn't they didn't they didn't name a sexual element in it but i just sort of to add to the equation i thought i'd throw the sexual element in there to get a crotomophilia a a what did it was a crotomophilia or just crotomophilia no a crotomophilia a crotomophilia that's wow. one for countdown isn't it, it? Is. what have you got then what, what is it <laughs> oh that's weird lots of points though one for eggheads i think <laughs> that, that goes out to the eggheads. <laughs> what is it? What's that one? Pointless. Different types of philia. <laughs> Polyphilia. Polyphilia. <laughs> Deep philia pizza. Philia boots. <laughs> we could be here for a while. <laughs> move, move philia up. Cilia philia. <laughs> I've got a sillier fillier than you. I'm getting sweaty because I'm laughing. Can you fillier it? <laughs> Throw your hands in the air for that one. <laughs> right. I think that's it. It is. Well, that's great. Okay. Well, look, <laughs> chat next time. We'll chat next time. We forgot a bit of Maxwell. How do people get on into. Oh, forget about that. How do people get. <laughs> Forgetophilia? <laughs> Absent mindophilia. How do people how do people get in touch with us? I will let you finish. They email us, don't they? At they do. you didn't let me finish podcast at gmail.com. And they can tweet us. They can. <laughs> you say the Twitter. I can never do it. At YDLMF podcast. Uh, I want to know what your daughter got for her birthday from you. She got some pull-up bars because she's really gutted that she's... Oh, my God. If you talk to the mother of a small child about pull-ups, I started going, "Mm, why would you buy her (laughs) (laughs) pull-ups? No, pull-up bars, as in things she can do exercises on. Oh, okay. Are they um, they a thing? I've never... And you know she's a a tattooist, so a couple of little tattoo accessories as well. What's a tattoo accessory? Oh, what, like um, transfers? Well, no, they don't use transfer. <laughs> and as well, I so the other thing is I've discovered, this is going to sound incredibly middle class, I've discovered that Waitrose now do little packets of induja sausage, which is really lovely and spicy, and it goes brilliantly on peach and stuff. And so I also bought her some of that because she really loves it. You're a posh shopophile. Last week it was M&S, and then and you think you're slightly cut above the rest with it, don't you? <laughs> I'd like to say a big shout to Fat, Drunk and Stupid, who's back on the scene after a bit of a hiatus and Yay. thank you for the lovely compliments. And all of our regular listeners, just carry on bothering us as usual. We appreciate <laughs> you very... We do appreciate each we and do, every listen. True. Each and every of the dozens of listens. <laughs> 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 no, actually, um, we're doing all right. We're doing okay. And so that's it for another week, I guess. 
Bye-bye, everyone. Bye-bye, oh, Victoria. Bye-bye.